1: Welcome to another edition of Dynasty nice Cash on of Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, your home for pick'em, best ball, and more in the NFL season, in NBA, NHL, and all the other seasons you can do. Season, season, season. It is season, season. I'm your host, Nathan Powell. I'm joined by the one, the only, Dan Senio. Uh And we're, we're going to talk about week three, because week three is in the books. Week three is in the books. Let's talk about the big storylines of the week, and maybe we'll wrap up a little bit of a keep, trade, drop, 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 drop. Now, there was excitement when the Deshaun Watson trade happened to Cleveland because they they have some nice weapons. They have you know the, the running backs and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They acquired Murray Cooper this offseason. David and Njoku got a monster contract. So there there was excitement around the Browns' offense. Now, some of that excitement was quelled by an 11-game suspension where it's like, okay, in Dynasty, I like those pieces, but I'm not sure about them long-term. I mean, it's short-term because they're going to have Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. I'm not saying we're crowning Jacoby Brissett as an actual viable NFL starter or crowning Jacoby Brissett as anything other than just a very viable backup. But through three weeks, Jacoby Brissett is doing an admirable, admirable job at the quarterback position, and when Deshaun Watson is back later in the season, he is going to do 2x, 3x, 4x the job that Brissett's doing, which only increases the excitement for these Browns weapons. So where are we at with these guys?
2: Well, I think at this point, they, they none of them really, aside from maybe Nick Chubb, are carrying a hefty price tag, so anticipating Watson coming back and being much better, I, I think it's probably wise to start buying before these guys are stringing big games together rather than just kind of what might be perceived as one-offs. You know, Nick Nick Chubb has been doing this. That's nothing new. But I still think his price compared to what he's doing, especially considering the running back landscape right now, which a little foreshadowing there, uh, he is probably the only second Contract running back, I would have any interest in buying right now. Uh, yeah, CMC's price is down, and and Dalvin Cook is probably going to be cheaper because of his of his injury stuff. But Nick Chubb's the only one producing. That's that's the big difference here. Yeah, he's 27, sure, but he's also performing better than essentially everyone in the NFL. So I, I love the addition of Nick Chubb, but I, I'm really honing in on trying to go get Amari Cooper because he still looks like Amari Cooper. And David Njoku seems to be playing uh, at least a little bit more of a role in this offense than we'd really ever seen. So I'm excited to see them continue to use them. Uh, I'm excited to see what Watts can do with these players when he gets back, considering you know this is essentially having – you know it's not really DeAndre Hopkins, but it's kind of in that same tier of getting Amari Cooper – you know, he, he likes to throw to his tight ends as well. That'll be great for David Njoku. And he's really never had a, a great running back to work off of. So having Kareem Hunt and having Nick Chubb, I, I just think this offense is set to explode, you know, and, and they've already been doing some nice things with could be reset. But I do think that this is just the beginning of what could be a massive step in the right direction. I think they're maybe a wide receiver away from being a special offense.
1: Yeah, and with Deshaun Watson and with Nick Chubb and and David Njoku, Deshaun Watson is far and away the best talent that they'll ever ha- they ever have ever had at quarterback. Obviously, Hunt played with Mahomes for a little bit. Cooper played with Dak, but also this can is. Comp- eh, I know Watson had, had some decent weapons in the Wolf, Fuller, Hopkins era, but I mean this is probably going to be close, close to, to one of the best offenses, and it does seem like the the coaching there is a little bit more. Um, you know, uh, competent at, in Cleveland right now than what he saw in Houston. So, I mean, I, out of all this, this is just screaming that once Watson's back, he's back to, I mean, he's back to being a top five dynasty quarterback. He has all these weapons and it's going to give bumps to pretty much everybody in the offense. And Njoku is the interesting one. Cause obviously you said all, none of these guys have huge price tags, except for Chubb, but Njoku is very much uh, acquirable as a guy as a low end tight end one, high end tight end two. And he has the talent level. You know, you saw it in a a game like Thursday night with with Brissette. The problem with Njoku throughout his career is he's had the inconsistent quarterback play and he's just been a developing tight end. Once he has an actual quarterback and he is now, you know, five, six years developed into the league, you know, there's a chance we see like a smash like top five possible tight end. So I think that. Of these guys, is probably my most likely buy, um, because his price, has, I think his price, the, the least so, is going to change from the Watson the Watson thing, even though it should.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if they continue to kind of showcase him and, and getting him the ball more regularly. Um, it, it looks like this week that they really leaned on him as best that they could in, in having one of his bigger games that I can remember, so... Yeah, it'll it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Um, the only, I think, potential setback is Deshaun Watson not having played in what seems like about 10 years, and how long it'll take to come back, and maybe it's not quite the same that it was, but it's, it's kind of hard to speculate on that. Uh, you know, I, I, we would assume rust on return, but that has nothing to do with any dynasty implications, so um, I'm, I'm all aboard the buy train for pretty much all of these guys. Uh, I love honing in on David and Joku though, as kind of the main target because his price is the most reasonable and it'll probably stay the more, the most reasonable unless he starts stringing together, you know, five or six straight, you know, 10 catch hundred yard games and a touchdown. Then, then we might see some big change.
1: All right, let's move on to the rookie quarterbacks who have not gotten their shot yet. And Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and Malik Willis. One thing all three of these guys have in common is the quarterback play in front of them has been poor to very poor so far this season. Um, I I think that all three of these guys, maybe not Willis, but all three of these guys had the potential to see playing time in 2022. But the players in front of them are playing their way into the, the rookie seeing the field even sooner um you know the titans have been bad and that it once they're out i i think that of the three of these the titans and willis are the only one that will hold off until they're fully like eliminated from playoff contention might take until week 12 week 13 week 14 but picket Pickett should start immediately like there's there's no reason to see the mitchell trubisky experiment anymore the Ritter thing I understand because he he is somewhat of a raw prospect they weren't they they never drafted him with expectations to start immediately it doesn't seem like Arthur Smith has has any any interest you know at least publicly of starting Ritter right now so my current take on these three is pickett starts in the next you know one to two maybe three weeks Ritter starts once we get to double digits 10 11 12 and Willis probably more like the 13 14 15 if at all this year
2: yeah, I'm honestly surprised. Like, I, I get the Steelers throwing Trubisky out there. They spent the money to to bring him in. Um, and yes, they overdrafted Kenny Pickett, but you still spent that draft capital on him. And uh, unless he's just significantly worse than we saw in the preseason or saw in college, which I find very hard to believe. There's no reason to, to not play him over Mitch Trubisky. We know what Trubisky is. We've seen what Trubisky is. He's bad, for one, and it's just he's so inconsistent. I know that this team wanted to just live and die by Najee and their defense, but it's just not the league for that right now. Uh, it seems like everybody has turned to a pass first, second, third, and and leaning on a quarterback that can't throw a certain direction is pretty impossible. Um another the, the other one with with Des Ritter versus Mariota. I mean Mariota has been very mediocre and his upside was always the running part. Well, Ritter's going to be better running the ball and throwing the ball. I know like you said, he is raw in that, and that's and that's part of it. But that team's not going anywhere fast. So why not get him some reps once we feel like he has a good a good hold on the playbook, a good hold on the offense, feels comfortable out there, up to you know up to game shape and game speed the whole bit. That to me feels like I, I think about midseason, maybe maybe a little bit later. And to be honest, man, I, I have I, I don't know why Tennessee is still trying to play the Ryan Tannehill game. It's been, it has been he was bad last season. He was good in 2020. That's, that's what all of this is derived from. (laughs) Well, that,
1: that, and the, the win loss column for 2021 was very attractive.
2: Well, yeah, they, they way overproduced from that. You know, they, they got way more wins than they should have. Uh, That team was, was a pretender the entire time and he has been nothing but either mediocre or bad for going on, you know, a year and a half now. So, I, I think if this team gets to four, five, six losses before they get to two, three, four wins, I think we might see Malik Willis sooner rather than later. I think we could see Des Ritter and Malik Willis in a similar time frame if Ryan Tannehill is playing as poorly as he has been. Uh, I, I get that the weapons are different. They, they don't really have that go-to receiver anymore. They still want to lean on Derek Henry, just like how you know the Steelers want to lean on Najee Harris. And uh, there again, there's just no reason outside of maybe not turning the ball over for Ryan Tannehill to be the starting quarterback. I, I just, there's no upside there. It's all game management. And, and if that's what they wanted to do, I mean, then they probably should have at least kept one wide receiver instead of letting everybody walk over the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, they have Traylon Burks, but he's still a rookie. He's still a little bit of a project. He's, he's gotten some looks, but. This is is going to be an interesting to see the way it develops. Um, I do think Pickett will be the first one to get a start and get the job before the three of them, but I wouldn't be surprised to see all three of them this season.
1: And also, it is one of those things that, yes, there's the planned rollout of things, but there also is the concept that the quarterbacks in front of them are so bad that if any of them, like you know, pulls a hamstring or gets a shoulder injury and has to like sit out a quarter, a half, a game, then it's over. Like the minute that Malik Willis sees the field for any sort of extended period of time, more than a quarter, it's his job. The same thing with Ritter, The same thing with Pickett. If that even happens, um, obviously you don't want to wish for injury or hope for injury. But well, <laughs> but you you do have to take into account it isn't solely just going to be. When they're quote-unquote ready, it's also going to be if there's an injury, then I think all of them will be vaulted into the role and it won't be, you know, given back.
2: All right, I'm going to call Tennessee and see if I can get a hold of the left tackle and just tell them to take a dive on a couple of plays mm-hmm. and let that the defensive end just eat for a little bit. See if we can't get Tannehill out of there. I mean you're right i mean once those, once these guys get in i think it's even more so the fans might not let these guys leave the field if <laughs> if these guys get to play and they do anything of 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 any remote value the fans will not let them leave cuz all fans want are those for, for the young guys to succeed like that for them to get great value out of these draft picks and just to watch their team be fun the tennessee titans are the opposite of fun that is the most boring team In the league right now, even if they are a playoff team, which I doubt in the AFC right now, except for maybe winning their division, which also, you know, we'll see about that. But I just for for the fans sake, for fantasy football's sake, I would love to see all three of these guys get in and uh, see what they can do.
1: All right, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys and their wide receiver situation. CeeDee Lamb was uh, the subject of lots of hate on Monday Night Football on the Twitter sphere. And then they're having a good game. They got like six for 95 and a touchdown. I, I think that both sides of the argument for CeeDee Lamb are going to end up being wrong. I, mean, I think the people that's, that are, are saying that he's just a wide receiver too, and he's nothing special, and everyone has a, a volume in Dynasty – they're wrong. But I also think it, it is starting to look like he's not the alpha type wide receiver that an A.J. Brown or Cooper Cup or, you know, Jamar Chase is. So I think it's somewhere in the middle. He, he's not a wide receiver too, but he's not like a top five wide receiver either. Um, so that's my thoughts on Lamb. And then looking at the, you know, wide receivers, there are lots of injuries and, you know, trades and all those different things for the wide receivers below him. Uh, Tolbert hasn't really taken hold of the job. And so it looks like Noah Brown, is the wide receiver two right now. I I do think part that's most likely a, a part of the Michael Gallup injury. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't have re-signed Gallup and traded Amari if they had any faith in in Gallup being the wide receiver two. And so I do think Noah Brown's more of a, a temporary guy, but in the in the temporary, he has five catches in each of the first three games, averaging over 10 yards per catch in each, and has a touchdown. So I think he's your classic, you know, volume guy in a situation that the volume is not going to be there forever.
2: Yeah, and not only catching, you know, over 10 yards per catch. I mean, we're catching 14 yards per catch on 21 targets. So, uh this is this is an interesting one because they did move on from Amari Cooper, obviously bringing back Michael Gallup with the contract. I just I feel like Gallup uh, the All three of them are probably going to end up being in the same zone where it was when it was C.D., Amari, and Gallup. Two are going to have a good game. One's going to have an off game. And that's probably going to get frustrating for any of the owners of these guys. Uh, we'll see what happens when Dak comes back. Yeah, it looks like maybe Tony Pollard starting to take over that backfield very, very, very slowly. Uh, they're almost to like a 50-50 split at this stage and one of them has been significantly better with his touches. You know, I'm still a Zeke guy, admittedly, but he's also just being hammered between the tackles, whereas Pollard's being designed for plays to go everywhere else. He's still getting the the between-the-tackle looks as well, but they're creating space for Tony Pollard and just telling Zeke to run into a cement wall. So that's going to be interesting as well. Um, I don't know that the running back situation really affects the The wide receiver situation because Pollard's only got 10 targets on the season. Zeke has five. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see once Dak is healthy and Michael Gallup are, is back and healthy, what the outlook is there because I think we all expected probably some bigger things from uh, Dalton Schultz, but it, the targets haven't been immense for anyone really aside from CD. Bill Brown's been consistent, obviously, but uh, I would assume Michael Gallup's going to gonna demand a, a decent number of targets. And I'm not sure the way this team is built and the way McCarthy's been running it, even with Kellen Moore still there, that we're in for like a super high volume passing offense, especially you know, and Micah Parsons is just the only person playing defense on the whole team. And he's able to play all 11 positions, apparently, and hold down the entire other offense. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where this team goes. I still think CD is that guy, uh, but maybe now is a good time to buy if everybody else seeming to think that he's not that guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I I think that buying is like a fourth-round pick. Buying is off the waiver wire. It's not like it's really any sort of price for Noah Brown, and and there shouldn't be. I mean, if you can sell Noah Brown for a third, I'll take the third. Um, I don't think that there's any sort of long-term value there, and the value of what a wire receiver three, four, in the short term is not exactly a, a hot commodity asset. Now, before we get into the rest of our show, um, let's get into our underdog. Underdog Fantasy, your home for best ball and pick'em and more. You can do pick'em for, you know, matchups, pick'em for over-unders, and also you can do weekly best ball drafts where you can decide who's going to go off, who you're going to fade. Dan, who are you looking at in underdogs for week four? Have you looked into it
2: yet? Uh, nope. I got absolutely obliterated by pick'ems this week, uh, responsibly, you know I think I, I think I bet like 15 dollars total so very very responsible of me i think i got one out of about 15 total picks correct <laughs> because i'm really good and pay attention and yeah looking at week four it, it's it's been kind of a weird one from like the running back standpoint i've i've kind of been avoiding even a lot of the running back props the over-unders uh, aside from the pass catching ones where, you know, looking at something like Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall over under catches has been uh, an easy one. I think those are the only ones I've gotten right. He seems to just continue to get a million targets because Joe Flacco refuses to throw it past the line of scrimmage, things like that. But th- there's, there's so many different things to do on underdog. You can, like Nathan said, you can play the pick 'em. You can do the weekly best ball stuff. They have multiple sports. All sorts of everything you could possibly want to do fantasy-wise found in one place at underdogfantasy.com. And if you use our code ROTOVIZ, that's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. That's right, 100 free dollars for you to play responsibly and do what I do and lose it all right back to them. Not actually. You're going to win because you're all winners. Again, code R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, ROTOVIZ, at underdogfantasy.com, and they will match your first deposit up to $100. We love you, Underdog.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: We may love underdog. We don't love the RB landscape right now. It has been the good, the bad, not so much good, the bad and the ugly uh, for the dynasty running back sphere right now. Lots of injuries, lots of underperforming studs, lots of guys aging out of being consistent fantasy assets. So what has been the most surprising thing through three weeks where you're like, oh, goodness, this is bad?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting when we look at it. You know, you'd expect someone like Nick Chubb to be up top. I mean, DeAndre Swift, even. Uh, But James Robinson and C.E.H. are currently two and three in fantasy points at the (laughs) running back position right now. Uh, Wasn't expecting that. Uh, Jamal Williams is up there as well. So apparently Detroit went from never having any good running backs since Barry Sanders to now having two very good running backs. Again, I've said it once. I've said it a million times. Jamal Williams is probably the most underappreciated running back in the league right now. And I think he was very good coming out of college. I saw everything that I'm seeing right now. I, I You probably remember me talking up Jamal Williams in those days, think, having him higher than pretty much everybody. And even when he went to Green Bay, I still saw those things. It wasn't as prevalent with Aaron Jones being there. But now we see Jamal Williams stepping up. And, guys, I, I think – Zero RB might officially be back. This has been just a hodgepodge of names left and right. Yeah, like I said, you have your Nick Chubbs, you have your DeAndre Swifts even Aaron Jones is still up there. But we're seeing a lot of these RB2s, RB3s, you know, NFL backup running backs that are performing, that they're doing things. You know, Michael Carter and Brees Hall, one of them is getting the carries, the other is getting the catches. Uh, you know, Najee hasn't been really producing anything. Joe Mixon hasn't been doing a lot. We've seen some Pirine Pirine beginning in that backfield. So right now running back is kind of a scary place. You kind of have to, I I think the, the move here is, whereas before I would have said have like one or two or even three really good ones and then almost no depth at running back to now. Just going full depth, getting getting guys that are in good offenses that have potential to score points, and just need the the volume, you know. And yes, we're chasing a little bit. I still think you should have one sure thing at running back. But to be honest, I don't know that there's a sure thing at running back right now outside of maybe your Nick Chubb's, your Jonathan Taylor's, uh, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones has been pretty consistent. So there's not enough consistency at the position going to go around to fill out an entire league. Uh, definitely not when you have to start two running backs in most cases. So right now I'm, I'm back on board with, with playing the depth role in, in running back. You know, we see all of these second contract guys going up and down and up and down and up and down. We see Saquon Barkley living and dying by the big play touchdowns. Um, It's a tough one, Nathan. I I don't know where you're at on this, but I truly do think that we are back in kind of the zero RB era and, It'll be interesting to see what these future classes have for us. Yeah,
1: and I, I will say that this is somewhat changing how I want to allocate my roster spots because I'm a big guy who I, I love the the day two wide receivers, the, the Diami Browns, the Anthony Schwartzes, the Jalen Tolberts. Like having those guys on my roster, I like to have them because I, I think that, that, that typically their draft capital is, is higher than their dynasty value entering the league. But looking at all these running backs that are popping up, the these day three running backs, these undrafted running backs that are popping up, it's making you think that you want to take more more shots at the running back position. You want to take more, you know, have more bullets in the chamber. As in, you know, instead of rostering four or five running backs, you want to roster seven or eight. And maybe one of those ends up being a James Robinson. Maybe one of those ends up being a Khalil Herb, or maybe one of those guys ends up being, you know, uh, a Devin Singletary or something like that. So I do think that the game is, is changing into needing more more depth at the running back position. Um, the most interesting year so far is James Robinson. You know, uh, I was a doubter to come back to the Kelly's injury. Also I like Travis Etienne. I I'm a little confused with Etienne personally, because I, lo- I love Etienne, but it, he he looks so scattered. Uh, when I've seen when I've seen the Jaguars play, it it rarely looks like he's comfortable playing the running back position he's comfortable making plays at the nfl level whereas james robinson looks like he's been doing this for 10 years yeah and he has been doing it for several years so uh i think robinson's much more reliable I, i'm not as far as saying like putting robinson above et and dicey value quite yet because draft capital around yada yada but the other guy i mentioned in right now right now is Khalil herbert um because david montgomery the his key to his production over the last several years hasn't been volume, volume, volume. He hasn't been ineffective with his volume, but he hasn't necessarily been any sort of a game-breaking running back. So he's been a solid low-end RB1, high-end RB2. But now Khalil Herbert with less volume is putting up huge numbers and you know, coming in, in, in relief, per se, from Montgomery this past week. He had 20 rushes for 157 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm starting to buy in on Herbert a little bit, uh, and I more so than – in on Herbert I am worrying about David Montgomery
2: yeah I mean Herbert's fifth in the league in rushing right now so that that, that kind of goes to tell you where we're at from a production standpoint for these running backs Nick Chubb again going back to Nick Chubb because he seems to be the only consistent Alpha back here uh leads the league in rushing and then you have Cordell Patterson Jonathan Taylor who everybody loves followed by Christian McCaffrey who seems to be finally alive a little bit and then Khalil Herbert so it's 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 an interesting spot going back to your James Robinson, Travis ETN bit. Um, yes, we've been seeing James Robinson do this and, and ETN doesn't look like the Clemson ETN that we all fell in love with. However, we have to remember that this is technically his rookie season. These are his first three games he has played. He is still getting used to the game, still getting used to the NFL. Uh, yes, he had all of that time to spend around the locker room, but being on the field is very, very different. So I'm still, I'm still kind of in that that you know comfort zone with ETN, where I'm okay with him, kind of just learning and growing, and and maybe not looking great right now, but getting there eventually. So um, I'm I'm just fine hanging on with him, but I, I do think that James Robinson probably was a, a pretty big miss overall for a lot of us. And the fact that he's just going to continue to be the guy between the tackles for now, at least, until you know maybe Et ends up to speed or you know, they figure out how to split their touches. Um, but just kind of go back and harp on on trying to find that value in these drafts. Like Nathan, you mentioned Lovin having, having like wide receiver twos from the draft instead of you know some of these running backs and. I I just I think we need to dig a little bit deeper when looking at rosters and well oh okay this team has well David Montgomery has dominated touches for all of these years so we we definitely couldn't have any of those guys but it's more of an opportunity thing for me and, and what they could potentially do with it I think I'd rather have the potential of a Khalil Herbert on and this is thinking hindsight obviously you know whatever but the the potential of a Khalil Herbert given the opportunity assuming a David Montgomery injury or even just moderate usage is almost always going to be more valuable than a day two wide receiver who probably isn't going to do anything for the most of his rookie season on aside from injury. Uh, whereas that running back once death, once we know depth charts and who's making rosters and all of that, th- there's going to be a reasonable chance that we're going to see some kind of production from these guys. So, Well, while we are kind of moving away from the RB heavy type drafts, it seemed like we kind of were in there for a couple of years. I do think that backfilling with running back instead of front filling with it is going to probably make more sense for the most part.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. And that's where you're you're just trying to capitalize on the injuries. And that thing is that in redraft, you can capitalize on the injuries through the waiver wire. But when you have 24, 28, 30 roster spots, that waiver wire doesn't exist until you get to RB3s and 4s. So basically, you're using your, your bench RBs as your quote-unquote redraft waiver wire.
2: Before I move on, are there any of the quote-unquote big names, the, the, like the true RB1s that you're going to go out and, and look at to try to buy while they're kind of in a slump? Or are you kind of full-fading the idea of, of buying the per- perception of production and these guys just aren't doing anything?
1: I mean, I I wouldn't mind taking the temperature on Dalvin Cook. Like, he's the the guy who could very easily bounce back. Alvin Kamara, another guy who could very easily bounce back. And that when they bounce back, they'll bounce back huge and be legitimate. Like, you know, it's tough to be a league winner when you're probably worth like two firsts. But league league winner type scoring, at least from Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, would, would be the guys that I'd be looking at. But I'd assume that I'm not paying two firsts for a second contract running back. And I'd assume that you're not getting them for cheaper than that.
2: Yeah, it's probably one of those things where you have to trade a a probably a late first and a decent wide receiver or, you know, another young player uh, worth kind of a first. You know, one maybe one of those players that's more but worth worth less than a first, but more than a second type type bits. Um, I'm kind of on board. I I, I do like, you know, I do like Dalvin. I think unfortunately have him in most places. I think one of the other ones I'd be interested in finding would be Joe Mixon. Um, he hasn't necessarily like super underperformed but he's not blowing the doors off either I mean he's basically rB20 right now in an offense that should just be untouchable. Uh, I would look to kind of see them as the wheels start to to grab tar a little bit uh, I, I would look for him to start moving up and, and having some nice games and being a little bit more consistent.
1: All right let's go to the Denver Broncos uh through 3 weeks um through, through through 3 weeks dan the Denver Broncos are 2 and 1 there's no other important storylines right just they're 2 and 1 chugging along
2: no i mean when you're 2 and 1 everybody has to have played great to get to that point uh certainly no newly acquired quarterbacks could ever be perceived as being bad or washed uh because they wouldn't they that couldn't be possible on a 2 and 1 team
1: oh but dan it, it is that uh, russell wilson hashtag #washed
2: yeah, he's bad. I don't know what happened. I, I think uh, maybe like maybe Sierra did the Space Jam uh, basketball trick and sucked all of his ability out of him, and she's going to go release a record or something.
1: I will say this. The one cop-out for Russell – or the one-and-a-half cop-outs for Russell Wilson are, it is still a new team. It is still three weeks in. And from all indications – uh, not Mike McDaniel uh, – whoever the coach is in Denver – Maybe the worst coach in NFL history, yet being two and one.
2: So, uh, Nathaniel Hackett.
1: There you go. Anyone named Nathan is an idiot. Um, So, Nathaniel,
2: Nathaniel (laughs) Hackett,
1: uh, not great so far. Uh, Maybe he turns it around. Most likely, he won't. And uh, like the thing is that when you get the big fish, like Russell Wilson, especially in year one as a head coach, you're very much viable to not getting any like additional time, not getting any excuses. If uh, obviously they're two and one now, but the play they're having is going to result in a seven and 10, six and 11 season. And if they go that, that route, he does not survive year one with Russell Wilson. No,
2: I don't know if he survives the first half of the season His decision-making the play calling. It has been atrocious. And, and and like you said, you, you can put a little bit of that from Russell Wilson's standpoint on on Hackett, but, I, I mean, they're, they're just not scoring points. The offense looks like it's lost when it's out there. They've played Seattle, who they lost to, and Russell threw 42 times, which is probably three times his career high. Uh, he did have 340 yards, but only one touchdown. Then they played Houston, also hashtag bad, threw it 31 times, completed less than half of those, Threw one touchdown, one interception for 219 yards. Great. Awesome. Now they play San Francisco, who, sure, they have a legitimate team. Uh, he performed the worst against them. I, I guess he completed the more passes, but uh, 184 yards, was sacked four times. This offense just, just, it just seems broken. And they have way too many good weapons for it to seem broken. Um, uh, I, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I, I still think Russell Wilson has to have something in the tank. I uh, I want to blame this on Nathaniel Hackett the way that we blamed things on What's His Nuts from the Dolphins and the Jets a few Gase. years ago. Adam Gase. This this has Adam Gase written all over it, and I hope that I hope that John Elway sees that before you know three seasons go by like he did with Adam Gase. Uh, this this is bad very bad i still think I, I love Cortland sutton especially at his price because he's cheaper than jerry judy right now um i think we both still love jerry judy i, I mean he's a, so, such a super technical wide receiver and getting an accurate quarterback like russ what you'd think would just be a match made in heaven um we haven't really seen the fruits of that yet you still have Alberto. Uh, I want to see him do some things. He doesn't seem as consistently viable in the offense. And then Javante and Melvin Gordon, I would love to see Javante take that, that lion's share, but uh, you know, Melvin's not going anywhere and he he just kind of keeps doing what he's doing at age 77 or however old he is. Um, So like I said, the offense has weapons. It's got the quarterback. Uh, I think the, the odd denominator here is the, the coach.
1: For sure. So let's go on to do some rapid-fire keep-trade drop. we got three of them today. Uh, so our first keep-trade drop will be the trio of rookie wide receivers. We have Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Chris Olave. I will start us off uh, by saying I think I'm going to go – first of all, I would never want to drop any of these guys. I think that they've all had great starts to their careers, great starts to the season. Um, but I will start with – keeping garrett wilson i think that people some people are still using the the jets bias on garrett wilson as a reason to not you know have him as a top rookie or a top you know dynasty receiver right now uh so i i would keep garrett wilson i would trade drake london seems like the drake london hive is out and about people are fully bought into him and i'll drop chris olave and that that's not any sort of the indicator that i'm not believing in his early season success i very much am with you know the air yards and that the air yards was converted to actual yards in in week three but i just don't quite think that olave is the, the same level of talent that wilson and london are
2: um yeah th- this is a tough one for me because you know pre-draft even during the draft even post-draft i was trail on burks this trail on burks that and i've got to have i gotta have all three of these guys above him um so that that's what made this the most interesting keep trade drop for me. And, and they have all been very good thus far, uh, obviously early in the season, early in their careers. Uh, I want to keep Garrett Wilson, but I think Chris Olave's probably got the highest ceiling at this point. We've seen a lot of massive things out of him. He's like sixth or seventh in the league in, in receiving right now. I get one big game will do that, especially early in the season. Um, and God knows what's going to happen with Jameis Winston or, or who they t- turn to in the future, depending on if they get a decent draft pick. I just feel like he's got the highest ceiling, and I think Garrett Wilson has the highest floor. I love I love Garrett Wilson. I would have picked him out of all three of these guys had we had this conversation a month ago, and it wouldn't have been close. But seeing Chris Olave on the field, making big plays, being explosive, I think he's my keep. And I, I do think that the Drake London stuff, it, its he's turning into Kyle Pitts. He's going to be propped up for whatever reason. Everyone seems to love the Atlanta Falcons and just they want to just give them free dynasty value. Oh, Kyle Pitts was drafted fifth overall and had three good games. Let's make him a top three draft pick in dynasty. Uh, they're going to do the same thing with Drake London. And if if Garrett Wilson's not right there with him, I'm going to be furious. So I, I think I'm I am going to trade Drake London and unfortunately, because of the laws of the game, Nathan, I have to drop Garrett Wilson, which I wouldn't want to do because you floor. The, one
1: of the ridiculous haters and losers who hate the Jets.
2: No, I love the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 man. It's definitely not a, a plane crashing into the ground gif that I tweeted like 75 times and has like a bajillion likes.
1: All right, next one. We got some multi-position here. We have the breakout star, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kyle Pitts and T Higgins. Where are you going with this one, Dan?
2: I am absolutely 100% keeping T Higgins. He is my favorite player on this list. I think he's one of, if not the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL with Joe Burrow. Yes, he has Jamar Chase on his team, but uh, I mean, that's just kind of the, the league that we're in right now. If you don't have two great wide receivers, you're not trying very hard. T Higgins is my keep. I'm on raw because of the way he's been producing and playing it is my trade and Nathan, I could not be happier to say I am dropping Kyle Pitts. Enjoy all of those four first round picks you guys spent on trading for him. Congrats.
1: And I have a little bit of a different direction here. Um, I am full on overcorrecting, full on going crazy, full on ranking him as a top five in asset. Amon Ra St. Brown is ridiculous. Uh, he, I, I think that if you're not ranking him as a top uh, first round dynasty asset or not ranking him as a top five wide receiver, you're going to look very, very unsmart very soon (laughs) as in, as in like right now. Um, So yeah, I'm keeping him on Ross St. Brown, not letting him go from any grasp. Uh, I'll trade Kyle Pitts because Kyle Pitts, there's a Kyle Pitts guy in every league. Uh, If if you can't find the Kyle Pitts guy in your league, you are the Kyle Pitts guy. Um, But there's a Kyle Pitts guy in every league. I'll find Kyle Pitts, trade him for three first-round picks worth of value, and then I'll drop T. Higgins because it's just the, the stigma of he's the wide receiver two, he'll never be the wide receiver one, and so that's why he gets
2: dropped here. I disagree politely.
1: All right. Now, it's not going to be polite to talk about how bad these players have played thus far this season. Keep trade drop. Trey, Claypool, Chase Claypool,
2: Gabe Davis, and Alan Robinson. Is there a way for me to drop all of them? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh well, I, I think I'm gonna keep A Rob for whatever god awful reason, probably just because he does I don't even think he has trade value right now. You you could send somebody like a third uh for for their A Rob and they probably smash accept at this stage. I, I don't know what the hell is happening. Uh I, I don't know if Chicago broke him or or what, but this has been uh, the opposite of good. I, I think I have to drop Chase Claypool because there's it, there just seems to be no life in Pittsburgh. Whatever you know, decent targets are being thrown are to Deontay Johnson or or French Fries, Pat Fryermuth. Um, it, that and obviously Najee Harris has a huge role in that offense. So I it, it, this isn't this isn't your your grandma's Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. Uh, this is unfortunately the the new age Steelers who just live and die by Najee and don't have a quarterback that can at least throw the ball to the line of scrimmage or to his left. Uh, and then Gabe Davis, I still think is is probably pulling a lot more than either of these guys as far as trade value goes, even though he's only had I think one decent game. <laughs> who would have seen who would have seen that coming, Nathan? Who called him a best ball asset all off season on one particular podcast? and two hosts kept saying the exact same thing over and over and over again. Shocking. Uh, I'm still trading Gabe Davis. I still think he gets the most value out of these three, and I I just, at the value he was at and probably still is at, I'm just not interested.
1: Yeah, my, my take on this one is that one of these players has Josh Allen, the quarterback. That player is Gabe Davis, and there still isn't, a ton outside of the Bills' offense, outside of you know Stephon Diggs, so there is some sort of potential for Gabe Davis to be an NFL wide receiver two. Then we have Dynasty wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I have the most faith in him, so I'm actually going to keep him. Um, I I think the other two, like Chase Claypool, has always been overvalued because of his touchdown production in year one, um, and A. Rob has been kind of like been chasing the white whale of. Oh, he's going to get a QB. He's going to get a QB, and now he finally has a QB. It seems, and it's not really seeming to matter because he's not getting enough volume. So, keeping Gabe Davis, I will trade A Rob because I think there's some win now. Teams that might be like, well, Gabe, uh, the A Rob's going to turn it around eventually, and Chase Claypool, if he has any dynasty value left, I'll, I'll be shocked. I don't, I don't understand why he would.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's definitely fair. I, I the the Claypool bit is. I don't know what the hell happened there, but that's uh, that's tough. Also, touchdown, touchdown regression for like he had
1: it, He had his entire uh, career of touchdowns in year one, and then <laughs> there, there's, there's no more.
2: Also, I, I think we just need to go ahead and say that yes, Allen Robinson finally has a, a, at least a decent quarterback, and all yes, I'm saying all of his previous quarterbacks were and are trash, and I am including the current starter. In Chicago, uh, who I wanted to do a keep trade drop with, but it would have been like Trey Lance, Davis Mills, Justin Fields, and or Mac Jones, even at this point. Uh, But, you know, here we are. Uh, Week three is in the books. Week four is in front of us. I'm looking forward to seeing some more no name running backs scoring fantasy points and wide receivers disappointing. Also, the tight end position sucks. It shouldn't be a starting requirement in your leagues. Nathan, bring us home.
1: All righty. That should wrap us up for today. We will talk to you guys next week. And make sure to subscribe, rate, review, promo code RVRADIO2022. You need the in-season articles. You need the in-season tools. And you need to start getting ready for rookie drafts next year, of course, because your team is 0-3 and you stink. Um, all right. That should wrap us up for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!